The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. They've had their warning. They've had their warning. Here's Lucy Bryans. That is remarkable from Arsenal. Oh, is it? Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up, Arsenal's birthday girl. Chelsea's guru guides them to victory. And Ramsey Red puts Birmingham in trouble. It's Lindsay Hooper here with Kate Borsay and former Lioness Laura Bassett. Look, Bass, put the accents aside and be trying to make goals sound like girl for a second. <laughs> I could hear you slightly laughing in the background at that. Um, how are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Yeah, I'm definitely leaving the accents to you. But no, all good. This is my neck of the woods. Thank you. I keep telling producer Sophie that Kate Borsay is the one that's been to drama school. Give her those <laughs> deliveries to do. Can you please not, not me. out me in case people send in suggestions of impressions that they want me to do? Uh, <laughs> I've got that. a very limited catalogue of impressions and accents, and most of them are pretty terrible, I have to say. I've heard a couple of good ones. You do a very good Edith Piaf. Well, it's Arsene Wenger is Edith Piaf, Arsene isn't Wenger it, really? as Edith Piaf. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, um, this needs to be a okay. podcast on its own, Kate. Well, <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, I feel like I could do with honing a few of my WSL ones. I should work hard, shouldn't I, at trying to get Emma Hayes and Jonas Edeveld down. Oh, um, you should and do Viv and that, that hybrid between Dutch and Scottish. It <laughs> <laughs> should be really weirdly difficult, by the way. Um, look, Bass, I bet it's quite a good atmosphere in your house at the moment. Your other half, Mark Skinner, and his Man United side doing so well. Have you seen Lindsay's been posting pictures of your beloved on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, I just, I've known Lindsay for ages. I've known you both for too long. She can just let her crack on with it. You know, she's really <laughs> the Instagram game, so I'm loving it. Oh, you know what? I've seen Mark now twice in the space of a few days, so it was really More nice. than Laura. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, three away games, that's it. He's gone for the week, so seen oh. him more than me. That's why he's been in good spirits and winning games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is the secret to this this winning run that he's on? Well, me and Sadie went, were staying at my parents in the Midlands for, well... 10 days, 12 days. So maybe that's the so key. Like Get out, away. leave him alone, no distractions. He probably eats and sleeps better. So I think that's that's the key. <laughs> well, we'll get on to the fine detail, of course, uh, of Man United's match in just a bit. But first, uh, let's have our moments of the WSL with now. Moments of the Women's Super League with now. Watch the big moments from the WSL live with a now sports membership. It was a huge weekend with the four big-name teams, Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea and Man City, facing off against each other. We also saw Kaya Simon's cheeky close-range lob for Spurs, West Ham's Katarina Svitkova, nutmegging goalkeeper Hannah Hampton and two red cards. What have you chosen as your moment of the WSL with now this time, Kate? Well, I'm going to choose that delicious pass from Viv Miedemar through to Stina Blackstinius for her birthday goal, of course, her first goal for Arsenal. But the manner in which Miedemar picked this ball up and, and had three touches before she made that, you know, pinpoint accurate pass over such a distance as well to find Blackstenius. I mean, how do you have that vision to pass like that? Because it was absolutely delightful, wasn't it? 
I mean, I don't know why you're asking me, Kate. You watch me play. I never made passes like that. I don't know. You hoofed it. You just hoofed it. (laughs) Yes. Get it forward. No, it was. And it's everything you can. She makes it look so easy, doesn't it? First of all, it's getting out of pressure. It's getting your head up, the vision, the run, the way to pass, making making sure it's away from the two defenders and the distance that, that it travels and so quickly. Yeah, it's just delightful. I think everybody watching that, you know, whether you, whoever you support, you appreciate and clap and, and just applaud. Yeah, it was wonderful. What about you, Linz? What have you gone for? I've gone for another moment from this game that involves Viv Miedemar, but her not actually managing to to execute what looked like such a brilliant shot on target. It was from range. She absolutely leathered it. But the moment goes to Mary Earps in Manchester United's goal because she produced what I think is a world-class save probably one of the saves of the season. She pushes that shot onto the crossbar. It comes down and then gets cleared. So that was my moment. I thought it was absolutely splendid. I'm going to go for the word splendid today. Um, And then she made another, another save, which was top drawer as well in the second half. So I thought she had an excellent game all round. What about you, Laura? Have you got a moment from the weekend which really sticks out for you? Yeah, I'm going for a moment in the Everton-Reading game you know, the young Reading graduate, Tia Primer, coming on in the 82nd minute and scoring the winner. And I think, you know, this just epitomises everything that Reading are, are about at the moment, especially I think it's special for her because she did the exact same thing in the FA Cup against Brighton, being subbed on and scoring the winner. So what a week, you know, you're just living your best life and you're being <laughs> called upon in those moments and delivering, you know, for a young player. I just think that's, you know, absolutely excellent. And yeah, long may it continue for the Reading Reading side. You love to see it, don't you? Well, have we missed something that you think deserves a mention? You can get in touch with us via Twitter at OffsideRulePod and at The Athletic UK. We are very much willing to hear your thoughts, your picks and selections as well. It would be great to hear from you. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Well, let's start at Boreham Wood, where we all got deja vu as Manchester United's Alessia Russo headed in Katie Zellum's corner for a carbon copy of the goal that knocked Arsenal out of the Continental League Cup. With 15 minutes to go, the Gunners went down to 10 after Katie McKay picked up a second yellow. But four minutes later, they equalised. That Midovar assist fell perfectly into the path of Stina Blackstenius, who made it one all on her 26th birthday. Those two combining was like when you realise that two of your favourite foods really do go to together like strawberries and balsamic vinegar yeah go on give it a go (laughs) (laughs) strawberries and balsamic vinegar yes and that may not and salad you can't not just those two in isolation (laughs) and salad Um, yeah I think balsamic vinegar and salad goes really well together I'm not so sure about this I'm gonna have to try that strawberries dipped in uh, a bit like uh, peanut butter and salad cream Uh, apparently people love it but anyway uh, enough of uh, the food Mm -hmm controversy. Laura, let's pick up uh, on this game. And I think, first of all, just your overall assessment in what each side provided. Yeah, really interesting, wasn't it? I think overall, a draw was a fair result, although there was moments where both teams, you know, as when these big teams meet and collide, you know, they both had moments to to take the ownership and drive the game and, and to get the three points. I think with Manchester United, I think 
they would have been disappointed because, you know, they like I say, they had a great opportunity with Ella Toon um, and, and to keep creating goal-scoring opportunities throughout the game, I thought was impressive, especially adapting the style of play with Aoife Mannion's been such a mainstay with their team throughout the whole season. She's a big part in what they do and how they play. But Diane Caldwell making a debut in such a, you know, that's probably what she was brought into with such experience. You know that she's not going to be phased by a moment, but having adapted slightly how they play, they went a little bit more direct, didn't they? I thought that in the Conti Cup and this one, it's certainly a shift in mindset for the group. And Arsenal, I thought that grew into the game again slowly. You know, we know they have such great starting players, individual players, great depth but how the connections aren't there, you know, we, it's strange. I, I looked at this game and I thought, whenever has the two centre-backs ever been subbed off in, in a football game that I've last watched, men, women, whatever, <laughs> it's just so strange. I'm not saying, obviously, different circumstances. I just thought it's really, really interesting because it rarely happens. So, And I think that is a slight vulnerability with Arsenal at the minute that, you know, you look at the teams that have won championships in the past in the WSL and they build it on this such solid mm. keeper and solid back forward defensive unit. And you saw moments of that, but not enough if they're really going to drive on this title race. We're always told, aren't we, by managers, coaches, you've got to have a really good defence to win a title. Yeah, Steph Catley's now back from the Asia Cup, of course. Not sure on when Leah Williamson's back, but you're right about Arsenal being a bit shaky at the back. And I, and I think it's two points dropped for them, isn't it, really? It's such an important point in the season. I'm sure Idovale will be the more miffed of the two managers. But let's talk about McCabe as well. She'd only just come back from suspension. The first yellow was just silly, really, wasn't it? It was wasteful. It was a foul on Alessia Russo and then a late challenge on uh, Ona Badia as well with 15 left to play and off she goes. And for a player like Katie McCabe, she shouldn't really be getting sent off in that manner, should she, Bass? No, that's right. I think, you know, firstly, Katie McCabe's been so important for Arsenal last season, this season, the level of consistent performance that she gives the team you know, is just immense. But she is a player, you know, I like watching her. I would want to be on her team, not against her. Um, She's that player that lives on the edge. She's that kind of level of aggression. I think she needs it in her game to get the best out of her, out of her performance. So, you know, she does live on the edge. So maybe she is going to have these moments. But, you know, I think she's recognised that, you know, in, in the big games, you need 11 players on the pitch. You don't want to give you, like I say, in these big games, there's enough problems to overcome without then adding even more adversity. Yeah, it does give Idaval another headache, doesn't it? Listen, talking of Arsenal, Linz, I know you did an interview with Viv Miedemar that got quite a bit of pickup, didn't it? Just tell us about that. Yeah, post-match, um, and we haven't heard from her for quite a while, have we? There's obviously been speculation around Viv Miedemar's future at Arsenal. It felt like the perfect moment to ask to speak to her as well after that pass. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, within that, I think some of the, the takeaways were that she she hinted that she would very much like to play with Black Stenius, that the two can play together, that that is an option. And um, she'd actually said in the lead up to that making that pass and that goal that she'd told Black Stenius to keep making the run she'd seen her do it about three or four times in the, in the 10 minutes prior and she said keep making that I will find you so there's there's clearly the starts of a relationship there that we can come on to speak about with Bass in a second and and then the other thing was about her future now I didn't ask directly about that she actually brought up in a way um, hints towards it herself I actually asked more about 
you know, when you're setting the standards that she does and there's some scrutiny around some recent performances, whether she felt that was fair. She clearly, if you've seen some of these quotes, said she doesn't listen to outside noise. And you can understand that as a professional player nowadays. But what she did say was that she's focused on the job at hand while she's wearing an Arsenal shirt, she will give it her all. And she said until the end of the season, which I thought was quite telling as well. I don't know whether you saw that, Bass, and and made any reaction to it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm all for um, unleashing Miedemar and Blackstenius together. I really am. I don't, you know, there's been lots of fuss around Miedemar staying high in between the centre-backs, getting in the box. I think she, I think she's that good. She can play anywhere. We we mentioned last year how good a goal scorer she is, but how many assists she provides, and I think we need to keep seeing that. But yeah, I just think a lot. Look, I'll be devastated. I really will. As a fan of the league, having played in it, I would be devastated if we lost Miedemar. But there's a lot of other things at play here. But yeah, I would, I would. What she brings to the league, the enter- from an entertainment point of view and quality point of view, I would be sad if she left. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't maybe cry and get the tissues out. Kate's looking at me a bit strange. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> she is a WSL legend, really, Miedemar, and I think it's. Um, I almost think it would be a shame for her to go at the end of this season because I feel like you know, although she's been a big team player this season, we haven't seen vintage Viv, have we? Feed the Viv and all that. Let's talk about Manchester United then. At the end of the game, Mark Skinner said it was a massive step forward for his team. He said that they had less time to prepare after the League Cup semi-final defeat to Chelsea in midweek. And I think he's right, Laura, in the fact that we are now talking about not just Arsenal at the top and, of course, the threat of Chelsea. Uh, we're now talking, you know, now Manchester United is in this conversation when we're talking about the top of the table and, you know, not just fighting for a Champions League place, but also being right up there as well. Yeah, I think the group have made huge strides forward. Um, And one thing, when it gets to this latter end of the season, you need players with the ability to score goals. And I think Manchester United, along with Man City, I think, I'm just pulling this stat out of the air, but I think they've got 11 different goal scorers. So you need to be able to, we've seen Manchester United score goals from set pieces. You need to be able to score goals in these pressure games towards the latter end of the season. And Russo as well. that's what's been impressive. Yeah, Russo scored four goals this season. They've all come against the big teams. And the fact that they can create goals from anywhere, that has to be a huge advantage when going into the second part of a season because for other teams to strategically set up and try and work out tactically who they're going to try and stop, it makes it much more difficult, doesn't it, when you've got a threat from all over. To get the inside track on that and all things attacking-wise at Manchester United, our producer Sophie caught up with Ella Toon. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, Ella. We're we're really excited to have you. Uh, First of all, what have you been up to today? Have you been celebrating um, Alessia Russo's birthday or maybe the fact that you were both selected for the Arnold Clark um, Cup? (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah, we've been in training today. So Alessia's been stuck with us all today on her birthday. But we spoiled her this morning and and gave her all the presents and stuff. And and yeah, uh, celebrating both being selected for for camp again, uh, along with Mary and Katie Zellum. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a good day for us all and a great birthday for Alessia. Did you get her anything good? Yeah, we spoiled her, actually. We got her some nice shoes uh, that she's been moaning that she's wanted for months but never actually buy. So we thought we'd buy them for her and make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. And what did you make of the rest of the team for the Arnold Clark Cup? You mentioned Katie, Katie Zellum there. Obviously, no Steph Horton because of injury. But um, Nikita Paris is back for you to play against table tennis as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think the squad's great. Um, 
there's a lot of great players that are being selected and all really worthy of the call-up um, playing great for club. Um, so I'm excited to go there. And obviously, you mentioned Keats is there and I'm sure we'll get the table tennis going and uh, and she'll be getting beat. What will we, 11 nil or something like that? Yeah, it's usually something like that. <laughs> I love that. Back yourself, back yourself. Back to the weekend, one all. I guess a draw against the league leaders, but then you guys were leading for, for most of the game and obviously you had that opportunity one-on-one with the keeper, which a player of your quality, I'm guessing, would have wanted to score. So were you happy with the overall result? It's a hard one because I think our mentality switched so much now that we want to go there and get the three points like we do every game. So to have that lead for such a long time uh, and to lose it right at the end was hard for us. And we were a little bit disappointed in that we wanted to take all three points from that game and we thought we were worthy of it. Me especially having that big chance to make it 2-0 and, and take the three points was tough for me, but I know that I'll learn from it and uh, the next one I will put in the back of the net and that's just football. Um, it's part and parcel of it and you learn from that. And yeah, of course, it was a big result in the end. Uh, we took a point away from them, but our mentality shows that we want to go there and get three points. I wanted to ask you about the midweek Conti Cup. I know obviously you were missing, suspended after two two yellow cards early in the competition. And I know Mark Skinner just raised the point, which I thought was quite interesting, actually, that teams that enter the competition late kind of have an unfair advantage, perhaps. That's what he was saying, because there's fewer games where they can actually pick up yellow cards. So he suggested maybe that yellow cards should be reset after the group stages to make it fairer. And I just wondered, as one of the players who was affected, do, do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I agree with everything that Mark said about the yellow cards. Uh, obviously, it was really disappointing for me and Hayley to miss out on, on such a big game and a semi-final and just down to, to that rule, which I think personally the, the yellow cards should be scrapped after the group stage. Um, so, yeah, it was disappointing, but we know that's part and parcel of football. And when you pick up too many yellow cards, then you have, you have to miss games. So, yeah, I agree with everything that Mark said, and hopefully that rule can be looked at in the future. Speaking of Mark Skinner, I heard the Man United chant that you sing on a game day. That's been going around social media, absolutely yeah. loving that. In the chant, you say Skinner's playing the way that United should. I mean, you, I'm not going to sing it. You can sing it if you want. But um, <laughs> I'm wondering, kind of, what, what do you mean by that? Is that the attacking style with so many goal scorers? Like, what, what's that United way that you think Mark Skinner's actually playing? Or is it just part of the chant that you just... Makeup. It is part of the chant, um, but I just changed the name to Skinner because that's who the manager is, isn't it? So it fits. But yeah, I think it fits anyway that he is playing the United way. I think the United way is playing with passion and, and our own personalities and being brave on the ball and wanting to play football and and, and have freedom while we're playing. Um, I think he's really embedded that in us and wanted us to, to play that way and to play that football and I think we've really clicked now as a group and we know what he wants from us. So, yeah, I think the, the champ really fits how we're playing at the minute. Have you got any other tunes in your locker? I hear you're like a bit of an Adele or Elton John fan. I'm wondering if you could walk out to something on a loudspeaker song, what, what would it be? Well, my favourite song is Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton. Um, how does that go? Islands in the stream, that is what we are. No one in between. How can we be wrong? That's it. But I think I, if that was blasting, then I'd definitely walk out to that. Love that. Absolutely love that. 
obviously you mentioned you know you're a bit of a big name now you're doing lots of interviews lots of other things is there something that people still don't know about you that you still don't get to talk about yeah I'm quite passionate about um Pride of Willie syndrome um my cousin had a baby girl premature and uh, she suffers with Pride of Willie syndrome and it's been a big part of our family now and she's doing really well and I've never heard about it before so Pride of Willie syndrome is where the brain doesn't tell you that you're full so you constantly want to eat because your brain doesn't have that telling you that you're full and, and you don't need any more food um, and there's other things to it as well just like your body can't control the temperature that you are. So if you're really hot, you're really hot and you can't cool down. So there's a lot of things and I'm still learning about it as well. And so is the whole family. But I think me being in the position that I am, um, I just want to raise as much awareness as I can and as much money for the charities so that we can uh, find a treatment for that. And uh, yeah, Nelly Nelly is a big part of our family now and she's, she's really special and, we're just all learning and, and trying to figure out what it what it actually is and how we can help. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Back to back to the football now. You've obviously got City next in the WSL. You played for City but grew up in Tilsley and supported United your whole life. And you're close to Alex Greenwood as well. Do you hate City or can you still hang out with Alex after a match like that? <laughs> yeah, of course. I can hang out with all the girls after the match, I think. I have a lot of friends on at Manchester City, the likes of Roebuck and George Stanley I've grown up with. Alex um, is a big part as well. And yeah, obviously when you step out onto the pitch, you don't have any friends for that 90 minutes. Um, but then straight away after, you have that respect for each other and you want each other to do really well. So yeah, it's a big game. I don't hate City. I love everything that they ever did for me growing up. But I'm just a, a Man United fan. So obviously I want Manchester United to win. But yeah, it's a big game and... And our focus now is solely on Manchester City at the weekend. Well, best of luck with that and enjoy the celebrations for Alessia's birthday this evening. I hope it goes really well. Hello, Toon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was producer Sophie speaking to Ella Toon. Well, Toon's side may be five points off the top in third, but it's Chelsea who are the biggest threat to league leaders Arsenal right now. They're two points behind with a game in hand, and that's thanks to a 1-0 victory in the Battle of the Blues at the weekend. Uh, Chelsea's Jess Carter sent the ball high into the box. It hung in the air for Guru Wright and to flick a header into the far corner of the goal. Uh, Man City pushed, but Chelsea were able to hold out. And I, I honestly think when we've got a defender on in UBAS, we have to single out Jess Carter. I thought this was the game of her season. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think although she consistently she's, she has been performing well, I thought she came under harsh scrutiny at the start of the season when Chelsea were playing with a back three. I don't think it got the best out of any defender, to be honest. And I feel like a lot of criticism was going her way. But I, I really think she's really important for this Chelsea team. Her versatility, her attributes... I think she's matured in um, when she makes her tackles and when she just runs next to the, the, the attacking player. I really just think, you know, she, her calmness. I, I think playing with Jess, I never had the opportunity, but I've watched her an awful lot. I think she, you would get a lot of confidence from her because she just seems so assured. She's got everything in order. She knows what she's going to do. She doesn't ever look anxious. Um, and I think you would get a lot of confidence from that. And, and like you say, I just don't like how I spoke about McCabe. I think 
Jess Carter's another level in terms of as a wide player's attack. You'd swap sides, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want to go up against Jess Carter (laughs) because she can run with you. You know, and I just think the more she plays up against, you know, Lauren Hemp, for example, she just gets better and better. That was it in this one. She faced Lauren Hemp and managed to keep her quiet. And then I I noticed there was a tactical switch from Gareth Taylor. He put Hemp on the other side and then brought on Blackstad instead. But she equally cope with her so I just I just felt against that top opposition it was probably it was probably the best performance that I've seen from her but I agree that she has been consistent and and I'm sure Emma Hayes is going to be delighted with the progress that Mm. she's made this season. She said after the game actually that she's going to have a word with Serena Viegman about her and I just thought oh I wonder what Serena Viegman does when Emma Hayes sort of goes hello Serena. (laughs) The impressions are coming out now. Listen Jess Carter like okay. Um, Emma Emma Hayes can probably speak Dutch so we'd just go into her language. (laughs) Yeah, but you know Hayes also uh, also praising her at the end of the game as well. For this one, the goal really was a bit unfortunate. Do we think Ellie Roebuck back in the City goal, Bass? Um, I think Wind had a part to play in her hesitancy uh, and not quite getting to the ball as she would wish to. She's had a period out uh, with injury as well, of course. What does this game tell us about the title race then, uh, Laura? I was speaking to someone at the game and they said, look. You know, City actually appeared to be the better team, but Chelsea were just a lot more organised. They were a lot more structured. You were at this game, Lindsay. What did you make of it in terms of, you know, Chelsea's performance, which which wasn't dynamic, but it was but it was structured and it did the job, mm. didn't it? I was at this game and for the very first time in covering women's football, I got to go in the director's box and have that experience. Ooh. There was actual food. <laughs> had some really lovely it was fresh bacon that they sliced um in front of you and it was it was really yummy so fresh um, sliced that's bacon do you mean like gammon or something Lindsay? Yeah. You don't... <laughs> Wait, on the menu on the menu it said bacon oh. um but yeah i suppose it was like cutting a bit of gammon wasn't it but i just asked for a thin slice and wow it was it was lovely so what you're saying Lindsay? you fell asleep during the game because your belly was full that's what you, <laughs> that's your point you're making <laughs> Are you going to make a pun about about saving your bacon or something, Linz? Is that where saving your bacon? Well, I think the reason as well that it's worth bringing up is Serena Viegman was there. So when Emma was talking about having a word with her, it would have been quite easy. Um, I had a chat with her actually at the bar area. Um, She's been watching so (laughs) much football, hasn't she? Was this a work game, Linz? No, I wasn't at work. I was I was there with my my fellow Sky colleagues. But uh, it's obviously a huge game for us to be at and to be able to see. We're going to be covering Chelsea against Arsenal on Friday night on Sky Sports. So it was a really good one for us to be there and see. And I will come to answering your question now. And whilst we've got Bass on with us, who will remember this, I'm sorry to bring it up, but the final day of the season, what year was this, Bass? I think we're talking about 2015, is it? When when Chelsea no, lost on that then, final think- day? Yeah, 13, 14, I think. Was it? Was it? So there was a pain in all of your faces at Chelsea at the time when you lost on that final day. You'd been out in front. And it was as if Emma Hayes vowed that will never happen to this team or any team under me again. And ever since, I think that Chelsea have found a way to win. And I know that's been described lots. And the reason I bring the history up is because I think it's shaped that hurt and what it means to be able to get things over the line. I think a lot of the other title contenders at the moment, including Arsenal, despite the amount of success they've got in their history, 
and Manchester City because they're in a transitional phase with Gareth Taylor. They don't have that yet. And that is the edge. That is the thing that Emma Emma Hayes knows that she's got in that squad. I don't know whether you would agree with that. It's just something from watching the game. I just thought this is the sort of one. It was such a tight game, but it's one that Chelsea will get over the line. And they did. Yeah, I think so. I think I don't think there was a player still there. Maybe Drew Spence um, is maybe the only player now. Hannah Blundell's moved on. But still Emma. Yeah, but yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Emma Stewart still the goalkeeping coach who has a big impetus into the coaching as well, and Paul Green. So, like you say, from a staff conversation point of view, there'd be you know how can we impart our knowledge and experience onto players? And I'm sure every player's had their own similar experience. But you're right; it does. Having gone through that, you never want to experience that again. It was 2014, by the way, and it wasn't just losing the league on the final day went, of the season. I went 2015, Bass said yeah. 2013, 14. Yeah. Well, you were right, Bass. Yeah, um, and yeah. It, it, do you know, it wasn't just losing on the last day of the season as well. They'd reached the semi-finals of the FA Cup and the Conti Cup. They lost to Arsenal and Manchester City uh, in the end. And so here you're seeing our kind of plot line established, really, I suppose, and we're still playing that out at this moment. But I think, I think Emma Hayes is rather enjoying being the ones doing the chasing for once. And um, I think we've said this for a, a few weeks now, but it's even more so the case that Arsenal um, have got this to lose, really, in terms of the title. But my goodness me, it's going to make for an entertaining season. And just as a little addition, the Conti Cup final will be the same fixture as well. Chelsea versus Manchester City. That's after Chelsea beat Manchester United 3-1 and City beat Spurs 3-0 in the midweek semi-finals. From the top of the table then to the bottom, Birmingham were hoping for a fresh start in this relegation battle match, but it was like watching someone wearing a brand new white jumper and then spilling tomato soup on it. We've all been there. Ruined by the red. Uh, Their keeper, Emily Ramsey, was sent off midway into the first half of bringing down Leicester's Jess Sigsworth. Sigsworth scored the resulting penalty and then soon after that, Gemma Perfield's corner bounce went straight into the net. The home side's captain, Louise Quinn, scored a consolation header, but it was too late. Little too late as Leicester took the 2-1 victory. Huge result for at the bottom. The red card, do you think that spoiled this one, Bass? Yeah, I really do. And I'm not too sure it was a red card, to be honest. I don't I don't know if... I've, I have watched it a lot of times, you know, and I know the referees don't have the opportunity, but I, I'm not too sure Emily Ramsey catches Jess Sigsworth. Um, and obviously, Beck Holloway is there as a covering defender. But it does. It, those huge moments so early on in the game, would ruin it. Having watched yeah. this game, as there was 28 fouls. I think normally in a game of football, you'd probably end between 15, 17 fouls. But it was just with the windy conditions, with the, you know, there's such importance on the game. Not much football was played and totally understandable, you know, limited risks. And with that many fouls, it was such a stop-start game with balls being delivered into both penalty areas from all over the, the pitch. And I just... I do. I do think it completely turned this this game on its head. But all credit to the 16-year-old Lucy Jones coming on. You know, what a, a debut and, and, you know, all credit to her. I think the team yeah. Birmingham girls got around her. Really, really tough situation to make your debut in. I suppose the point with this one is why on earth have Birmingham been naive enough to get themselves into this position as well, where uh, Emily Ramsey has to pretty much launch herself onto the ball and, you know, compromise herself. And that resulted in ascending off. So for me, Birmingham was so gappy at the back. They left way too much space. But uh, I think when you compare it to last season, I mean, basically Birmingham finished on 18 points from 22 matches. 
This time round, they've got four points from 14 games. That's 0.29 points per game as opposed to last season when they narrowly avoided relegation with 0.64 points per game. So you can see how this season is worse. And I think this game goes a long way to basically, you know, giving fate to Birmingham's season, Lindsay, don't you? It looks Mm -hmm. really, really tough for them now. It does. I wonder in the Bass household, do you and Mark reminisce a little bit, Bass? I mean, when you were at the club, they were absolutely one of the top sides, Birmingham. They they won. They were winners. Now it's just survival, isn't it? Is that quite heartbreaking for you to watch? Yeah, I think so. It, it is. Um, but also, I think with women's football, with the investment that's come in, the, the money needed now to have a competitive squad, I just don't... I look back at Birmingham and see the oversee them over the years um, and they just haven't been able to keep up. If Birmingham, the men's team, did get promoted to the Premier League, which is a big ask, you know, would that, I think maybe more money would go into the women's team. But, you know, they have the lowest budget, I believe, in the league. And I think you can tell Leicester were able to bring in players in the transfer window, be that loans. Birmingham haven't. And I just think along the way, managerial recruitment hasn't been the best in terms of what the right fit needed for that club and to get the best out of the players. So it's certainly a messy one um, and, and it is heartbreaking, especially as this year will be the you know 10-year anniversary of winning the FA Cup. That seems a long, long way. Mm. Um, and I know the club are, are doing something in to, to you know mark that occasion, but it would be so sad if on that occasion, you know, the club did go down. But hey, I wouldn't write these girls off and, and Darren Carter. I uh, hope he's OK, by the way. He wasn't at the game due to illness. So hopefully that's a speedy recovery. But I wouldn't, you know, we've seen them beat Arsenal. So that is one thing that they can, you know, get a lot of hope and belief from. That if they can mm. do it from the league leaders, they can do it from anyone on any given day. But if they do it from the league leaders, they need to do it from those around them as well. I mean, you talked about the infrastructure. I mean, it's completely the opposite, isn't it? At Leicester City, you've come into the league so well set up. This means as well now that they're five points ahead of Birmingham, who are bottom on four points. That gap getting significant. Leicester with three wins in the last five games in all competitions. So the momentum, if we're going to use that M word, is with them right now. Speaking of momentum, Tottenham got back to winning ways at the weekend for their first WSL victory in four games. Kaya Simon dinked the ball over Brighton's Megan Walsh for the opener. Then substitute Ashley Neville found space behind the back line and produced a cool finish into the left corner. Shalina Zadorski tapped in for three. Then Neville won possession and produced a curling assist for Simon's brace and a 4-0 win to Spurs. After the game, Neville posted on social media saying that one was for you, Grandad, dedicating the win to her granddad who passed away recently. A nice touch there from Ashley Neville. Brighton really stuttering at the moment, Bass. I think it's such a shame after such a positive start to the season. Hope Pearl after the game saying we didn't create enough. The goals were disappointing. If you become easy to beat, you're going to lose the game. Um, Some quite tough talking from Hope Pearl, as we'd expect. Um, But they do need to start thinking about how they're going to create chances how they're going to get that ball into a position where they can start to score some goals that's right and we've seen the performances I was at the Chelsea get covered the Chelsea game when they drew nil nil a couple of weeks ago um so we know that they can sit deep be very compact and we know you know we, they can if they do that they won't concede but like you say it's the other side of the game which we have questioned this season 
you know, creating goal scoring opportunities, taking them. You have to be, you have to come out of the pitch, leave spacing behind you. But one thing that I do, what I do find strange about this Brighton team is I feel that Hope Powell makes a substitution. It's never like for like. It's always a reshuffle of three or four extra players in terms of, for example, Kirk Dyke, the centre-back, goes off and Maya Letizia will come in field with Williams and then Covisto will drop down from right mid to right back and all for like one centre midfielder or attacking player coming in. I just feel it's always a reshuffle of the back line and I just think that can't... So, you know, maybe stick whoever, you know, maybe if it is dropping out a name player or an important player of your squad member, but just keep the consistency... Um, so you can build on that rather than shuffling. I, I, having played, I don't ever feel like that helped. So, so too, the flow much, of a too game. much meddling, uh, really, from Hope. We, we, we talked a few weeks ago about whether Brighton were in the position where they're mid-table and fairly safe and whether Hope was actually trying a few different formations, trying to find the magic formula, and maybe that's interrupting games too much. Good win for Spurs, though, on this one. Linz, it's good to see a turnaround in fortunes. Yeah, and I, th- I think we've started talking about Manchester United as as a team that could be now in the title race. But also you've got to look over their shoulder as well. And there are Spurs, just one point behind United in fourth. It's just really tight and it makes it exciting all the way through to the end of the season. And after all those losses in a row, Brighton will be looking to turn a new leaf, much like Everton. Uh, last week, Everton sacked former Lyon coach Jean-Luc Vasseur after just 10 games in charge. Interim head coach is Chris Roberts um, and he took charge for this one against Reading at the weekend as Anna Anvergaard deflected Claire Emsley's shot from a well-worked corner to give Everton an early lead. Izzy Christensen then had a penalty save by Grace Maloney and the away side, they left it late but managed to bounce back in this one. Natasha Dowie, who's in brilliant form, equalised with a long-range bouncing strike. Tia Primer won it for Reading, poking in her first WSL goal with two minutes left to go. I mean, we can say so much about Reading in this one, but let's begin with Everton because they're at risk of being dragged into relegation. And after bringing in Jean-Luc Vasseur, the whole promise was that they would be really going for it in, in terms of competing for a European spot. What has, what's gone wrong? Well, it's really interesting that the director that employed and you know, appointed Vasseur left the club. So that's never that's always a, a big red flag. And, and you know, it's been reported that a lot of players were unhappy with some of the meth- methods that Vassar was introducing or didn't introduce with the lack of communication, perhaps. So we're never really going to know the ins and outs of, of, of the environment and the culture that was developing. From a manager's point of view for Vassar, you know, maybe coming in, maybe he was given the total different impression. And when he, you know, sold something different and when he arrived, it wasn't what he agreed or what he thought he was signing up to. So for 10 games, I mean, he... They didn't bring anyone into the transfer window. So to produce things in 10 games, um, you would you would expect a new manager bounce. We see that a lot, don't we? And you would expect that. I don't think we ever really got that. But then to maybe not bring a player that's your player in the transfer window, I thought that was really interesting. Mm. But, you know, arguably... Everton were already trying to settle a number of players and that was attributed to some of the problems Willie Kirk had trying to settle too many players. So I, I can understand why he, why Vasseur didn't bring players in. My, my issue with Everton really under Vasseur is that if you look back at their games, as soon as they concede, their head drops. And in this game, they missed a penalty. They had a chance uh, to get ahead and they didn't take it and their heads dropped. And that's about confidence. There's an issue with Sandy McKeever and goal as well. And I think that's all 
linked to confidence too. And I think that is a lot of Everton's issue. Let's talk about Reading though. And in terms of table position, Bass, they're in fifth, just below Tottenham. Kelly Chambers doing such a great job there. She does this stealth job doesn't she, with Reading, where you don't talk about them much, but they just slowly get on with winning games and uh, establishing really decent table positions. That's right. And now it's about kicking on, isn't it? It's about keeping those levels of performance, keeping on those wins till the end of the season. They can't drop off that maybe they've previously done in other seasons. But, I mean, their forward line now is potent. With Deanne Rose, who's been an exceptional recruitment. Natasha Dowie, like what Lindsay's already said, is in fine form. Emma Harris, we saw her score some, you know, she adds her difference of play. She's a runner in behind. She stretches and creates gaps. I think Rachel Rowe came on in this game. It's great to see her back. I thought she really made a difference. I thought this was, this game, the wind really affected the game the worst I've seen in any other so credit to all the players but I think Rachel Rowe came on at a crucial time and really was able to keep hold of the ball and bring everybody into play and 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 you're right I think with everything that's wrong about Everton the confidence it's the complete opposite with with Reading they believe they never stop giving up and because they have come back the previous week from 2-0 down against Brighton in the FA Cup, they knew that if they kept plugging away, they would create chances and bring on super sub Tia Prima, mm-hmm. you know, the Reading graduate. What a fantastic story that is. All credit to her. She's going to be known now. Whenever they bring her on in the next game, I'm sure the opposition will be worried because the uh, luck and, and quality is on her side at the minute. Finally, West Ham took a 2-1 victory away from home against Aston Villa. Abby Lee Stringer tapped the ball in for West Ham in a scuffle from a corner, but Alicia Lehman made it one all, hitting a powerful penalty after Kate Longhurst fouled Ramona Petzelsberger. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, by the way, it's a few weeks old, but Lehman's prank video on Instagram, have a little look at it, involves her mum and it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> she couldn't quite get the likes for her side, though, in this game. Couldn't quite get the victory for Aston Villa as Katarina Svitkova turned the ball over and nutmeg keeper Hannah Hampton to give West Ham the winner. I've been really impressed with Oli Harder, uh, Laura, and, and what he's done for this West Ham side. They're notching up the wins now. And, you know, even when they go ahead and yet concede one, they're not afraid to keep pushing the game forward, which results in victories like this against Aston Villa. That's right. And as much as we need to talk about Tottenham and Reading, who are in fine form just behind Manchester United, we need to keep an eye and talk about West Ham. Because what they do, they have unique way of playing, deliver balls into the box from deep areas. I think Schwickhover's having the season of her life. I think she's so important. Brynja's Dottier is key. They, you know, There's a huge difference when she's in the team and when she's not. And, he, and Kate Longhurst on the right-hand side, deliver some great balls and they've got willing runners in Evans, Phyllis and and Walker. So I really think they've come into their own. They know what they're good at. They know who they are. They press very well and they force the opposition and especially this game, they forced Aston Villa into errors and they capitalise. And I just think you look at Aston Villa and there is frailties there. And that's what this West Ham were very good at being clinical and um, executing and and punishing them on, on those mistakes. Villa's Remy Allen took to Twitter afterwards and made a pertinent point about kit colours and how that affects people with colour blindness and maybe something that we all just 
are a little bit ignorant to, I think. It's one of those issues, isn't it? But she said, side note, would just like to point out that the choice selection of kits was ridiculous. For somebody who is colorblind, it made my job and others on the pitch so much harder. That shouldn't be a factor when we step out on a football pitch. Villa, by the way, for this one, wore claret shirts with blue sleeves, white shorts. West Ham wore navy blue shirts and light blue shorts causing some issues there for Remy Allen, amongst others, I'm sure, who might have been watching on as well. One in 12 men and one in 200 women worldwide are colourblind, estimates say. Is is this an area that's been overlooked, Bass? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, you know, would this not have been okay by general managers at each club? I don't know how, you know, kind of the admin side works and in those situations and what the rules and regulations are. Definitely you know, as a player that shouldn't, you know, for Remy Allen to be concerned and to have to highlight that on a Twitter post afterwards is is not okay. I'm sure that, you know, but maybe as club officials need to take responsibility and make sure. I actually remember watching Manchester United Arsenal as well. And I think Man United were wearing black socks and the ref black socks and black shorts. And so was the referee. So like, you know, I, I thought, I don't know what the rules and regs are. You know, the game changes so fast, doesn't it? But like, is, I, I wouldn't have thought that's okay. But I, I, but yes, maybe we just need to double check and highlight these things so they so they do get assessed and make sure you know there's enough problems trying to win a football game without you know having the point of what Remy Allen's made. Yeah, there's a, a, a Twitter account called Colorblind Awareness who actually did a simulation as to how the kits would look if you've got color blindness, wow. and you, you know everything. Every bit of sharp color or strong color is kind of muted out. So if you imagine that kind of um, claret shirt slightly muted out against the blue, which is already muted out anyway, it does. They they basically look strikingly similar. The only difference between them is the color of their shorts, which you know again isn't that different when you put that sort of color blind filter on it. So um, it's interesting. It feels to me like it's an oversight. Like you think a claret shirt and a blue shirt would be fine. But obviously, it hasn't ended up like that. Good to raise from Remy Allen. You're listening to The Athletic Women's Football Podcast. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a third of a subscription right now by heading to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod. Well, you're listening to The Athletic Women's Football Show with me, Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and former Lioness Laura Bassett. There's been talk this week about how many teams there should be in WSL and in the championship. Gareth Taylor and Emma Hayes said the WSL should be expanded. Uh, FIFA pro Sarah Gregorius told us last week that a lack of games means that players aren't realising their potential. Uh, Marianne Spacey-Kale, who manages Southampton Women, uh, she told us that there needs to be a better pathway for progression into the championship. So do we need a bigger WSL and championship with more promotion and relegation spots available? It could mean more revenue Bass what are your thoughts yeah I think as an idea in isolation and in essence yeah I do think we need more teams um I think that'd be brilliant I always edge on the side of caution because having been involved in Notts County uh, when we went bust and obviously the recent um issues with Coventry United and everything you know just the emotional toll it takes on players staff you know, yes, I, I I do want there to be more teams, but we have to, you know, I, I thought there was a, a rigorous procedures and policies in place now, but clearly I know every club has a different model and, and different ways of working and that's brilliant. But, you know, I, I thought we were pre- a pretty good standard now, but things and problems keep being raised that maybe to suggest that we're not at the level we should be. So 
I wouldn't want to run before we could walk. I think, yeah, I would love to see more teams and, you know, the opportunities then for player, young players to play in our league uh, would be brilliant. But I just want it to be sustainable. I don't think we should be put in the position where players and staff and fans, you know, because it is the fans as well, um, to be put in those you know horrible situations. Well, just talking about growth in the women's game, um, growth in women's sport in general too, actually. New research out today from the Women's Sport Trust says a record number of people watched women's sport in 2021, largely thanks to the WSL, which brought in 5.9 million viewers who hadn't watched women's sport before. If you're completely new to women's sport and you've started following our pod this year, give us a shout. Uh, We'd love to hear how you've been finding it. Uh, You can get in touch with us by leaving a review on many podcast platforms or at Offside Rule Pod or at The Athletic UK. Hopefully we'll see more record figures this weekend because there is a huge, mahoosive game coming up. Uh, Chelsea against Arsenal on Friday night. Arsenal won the reverse fixture. If you take your mind all the way back to the opening day of the season at the Emirates, 3-2 the score on that day, but it was a long time ago now. What will be the key here for both teams on Friday, Laura? Remembering that Chelsea didn't start with Kerr and Kirby. We haven't seen much of Kirby in the last few matches either. She's come on as a sub. Is there going to be a factor there that will come into play if they start together? Yeah, potentially. I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it? From a fan's point of view, it's brilliant when they do play together. I think one of the the key things for Chelsea is that they have to keep performing defensively like they have been, you know, that especially that solid back five with including Berger. Um, I think you know, how we've seen Harder come and operate on that left-hand side and be so dominant and overload. And then when she picks up the ball, you know, she's shown her worth and her quality against Manchester United, against Man City especially. So she needs to keep doing that. And then also, I think in their high press, I think they've been like, you know, they have been very good out of possession. I think someone who is key to that is Erin Cuthbert, we know about. It'll be interesting to see whether she plays centre mid. Mm -hmm. But I think she's allowed to do that because... I do believe that Jessie Fleming, out of possession, she works so hard. She can cover two, she can cut up the deny space and press the player on the ball. You know, she's so key. Her energy and her work rate and her game intelligence is really key. So she'll be important, I think, for Chelsea. But as for Arsenal, I think I think it is unleash Miedemar and Blackstenius because as much as, you know, you can prepare all week, Chelsea can maybe prepare for those two playing, actually not having the experience and not having much video footage it could be the surprise that and the impetus that Arsenal need there's also the small matter of a Manchester derby aren't we lucky then to see these big four face each other twice in two weeks plus Everton play Aston Villa Birmingham face Tottenham Brighton are up against Reading and Leicester host West Ham well that's all that we've got time for on this week's Athletic Women's Football Podcast thank you very much Bass for joining us again what have you got lined up the rest of the week not a lot, actually. Just trying to keep a three-year-old entertained without, you know, with limiting TV time. I always have that fight with myself, you know, be a better mother. Come on, learn, teach, get outside. Don't turn the telly on. Have you started coaching her yet, Bass, properly? No, no, not not really. She just like, not another football game. or when, even, even when she's at Nan and Grandad's, though, she's like, another football, because they'll watch anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I think she's a bit... Overwhelmed you said about already. the TV stuff, though, Bass. When I was um, in in the box on on Sunday, <laughs> oh, drop Chelsea. that in again, Lindsay. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you know, I don't have this experience very often, but 
Emma's son Harry was in there and he was watching. I could see on his iPad there was um it was a train at program. I don't know what it was. I was absolutely transfixed. The the kiddies shows that are available are honestly so good. It was this train <laughs> going round a track, but it was taking in all like parts of the world and then it went super high speed through all these places <laughs> he was transfixed I was transfixed looking and I was like wow is this what kids I watch love nowadays? Lindsay's account of this director's box experience <laughs> at King's Meadow that she didn't watch any of the football she didn't, she didn't watch any <laughs> of the football she watched a program about a train and ate sliced bacon I mean uh magical and encountered Serena Wiegmann at the club bar. Oh, Love it. Uh, yeah. Listen, quite an experience. I'm so looking forward to the games this weekend. We shall meet again next week, Hopes, and uh, run through what will hopefully be a really exciting weekend of women's football. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.